You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. You guys doing well this morning? You're alive and, and well. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Let's go to John chapter 3. And um, as we do this, the, you know, the other services last about an hour, hour and 10. Um, usually this one does as well. It's kind of what we keep it at. But if I continue to smell those hamburgers, this puppy's going to get wrapped up short. All right. Um, ho- hopefully that's okay with you guys. But seriously, I hope you guys stick around and eat with us and uh, spend some time. Uh, cheap food, good food. And uh, you can eat in the cafe and upstairs in the loft. Uh, but uh, we're excited to do that today. And also, um, as we're just kind of getting going this morning, on November 2nd, base camp starts. And so if you've, if you've never never gone to base camp. It's like a must. Uh, before you uh, join the church, before you do anything else in this church, base camp is a must. It's a way for you to uh, get to know some of the pastors and kind of what we're doing here as a church. And then um, uh, we, we can encourage you and help you um, uh, in, in your connection process from that point. But that really is the first place to connect. Um, so we're in chapter uh, three. We're actually going to start at the end of chapter two today. Um, but we are, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about a story today that's it's just a powerful story of how Jesus really um, is able to, to, to share truth with someone. And, and uh, maybe, you know, there, there's some people in this room that are on the verge of a big decision in their life. Um, You have been kind of tiptoeing in the church, in and out. Maybe you've kind of heard about Jesus or or maybe you maybe grew up in church, but but, uh, for whatever reasons, you've been kind of out of the church and and now you're kind of back in and um, you're you're just kind of seeking and you've got some questions and you're still kind of trying to figure it out. And um, at the end of the day, you you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, but but you kind of think you're almost ready to do that. Um, some of you are in that boat. You're, you're facing that decision. You're on the verge of that decision. Some of you uh, walk in here and it's not really on your mind um, because you're so successful. You see, it's a, it's a funny thing in our culture. We, we want success. We want uh, to, to be uh, known as someone who is um, good at our, in our industry. We want things to grow. We want to make money. We want to have fun. And, and so we have this idea of what success looks like. And, and, and what ends up happening sometimes is that our success blinds us to our need for a savior. And I think what we're going to see in our passage of scripture today is a man who is in fact so very successful. He has so many things going for him that he is completely oblivious to the fact that that he is not going to heaven. He hasn't made a decision to do that. He doesn't even know what that looks like. And Jesus just is going to confront him with that reality. And and for some of you, you're going to relate more to Nicodemus. And you're like, yeah, I'm the successful guy that doesn't doesn't get it yet. And I need Jesus. And and others of you are like, well, I'm like Nicodemus in the fact that that I'm seeking and I'm searching and I need answers. And and so you're, you're on the verge of a decision today as well. And so at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to make that decision. I'm going to encourage you in that decision. But uh, let's go to the word and and let's begin to unpack what God has for us today. Now we're going to start in chapter 2 verse 23 and 24 and 25 because that's really the 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 first part to this passage. Now I know um, a lot of times we we don't realize this but in the original languages when when um, the the Bible was written it was written in Greek and it wasn't uh, placed out with with numbers and verses and chapters and and subtitles and all that stuff. We've added that for organizational purposes and so sometimes uh, you know they they kind of you know, put a split in a chapter. And so it kind of doesn't make sense for me to start in verse 23, but it really does because that's the first part of this whole story. And it's, it, it's helpful for us to know what, what's happening here in light 
of what happens with Nicodemus. And so let's look at verse 23. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. And when they saw the signs that he was doing. So remember, it's Passover time. Jesus is doing more than changing water into wine. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is doing many, many more miracles. Many, many more signs are being performed. And as a result, people are believing in Jesus. They're placing their faith in Jesus. And so verse 24, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. Jesus knows all people. All right. Jesus knows who you are today. You might think this was like a random visit for you, but he knows who you are. He knew that you were going to be in this place this morning. There's not anybody that's like lost and like he doesn't know about or that he doesn't care about. He knows who each of us are today. And verse 25, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So Jesus knows who you are and he knows what's in you. He knows what sin you're struggling with today. He knows what pain and heartache you brought into this place today. He knows ultimately that apart from him, you are lost and dying and on your way to hell. He knows what's in you. Now, chapter three, verse one. Now, there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, let me, a few things we learn about um, Nicodemus here. First of all, he is a Pharisee, which uh, meant that he was the religious of the religious. I mean, he had the Old Testament, more than likely he had it memorized. He uh, ruled like, um, he, he taught, he was in charge. He was a leader of leaders. He was on, on track with the law. He knew the law. He knew it backwards and forwards. And, and uh, he, was a, he, he lived a moral life. And so he was a good dude by all uh, worldly perspectives. And then it also says that he was a ruler of the Jews which meant that he was a part of uh, the Sanhedrin, which was a, a group of 70 men, that they were the authority over all Jewish men in the world. So what they said went, right? And so they were in charge, they directed, they led. And so this is who Nehemiah is. Um, countless hours of education. Um, the, the clout or the, the, um, just the popularity that he had would have been great. The respect that he had would have been great. This was a successful Man, um, he, he had enough money to take care of his family and to do what he needed to do. I mean, he was on the level of like a senator in our day and time. So, I mean, he had it going on and he comes to Jesus and he says, look, you, you know, you're a rabbi. We get it. You know, you, you're doing things that only, only God can do. Satan doesn't do miracles. And, and so we know that what you're doing is from God. So he comes to him and he's got some respect for him. He comes to him at night. Now, why does he come at night? Some people think, you know, maybe he came at night because he was embarrassed. He didn't want other people to see him coming and talking to Jesus. So he did it under the cover of night. Uh, maybe he came because he worked during the day. And so at night was the only time he could talk. Maybe he realized that at night, you know, I have time to sit down and, and talk. So that was the best time for him to go. We don't know the reason why. We just know that it was at night that he goes and, and he has a great conversation with Jesus. He shows some humility here because here he is, one of the rulers He's one of the leaders of the leaders. He's one of the large and in charge guys. He's got everything going for him. And yet he comes to talk to Jesus, to spend some time with him, to talk about religion, to talk about faith. And so, so that's a good sign here that he's, that he's got some humility here, despite his education, that he's willing to come and he's willing to talk to Jesus. He recognizes that, 
that God is doing something special in the life of Jesus. I mean, he calls him rabbi. He says the things that you're doing here um, obviously are from God. So, so Nicodemus is coming to him and he wants to have a conversation with him. And he's like, hey, you know what? You're a great guy. You're doing things from God. It's amazing. You're a rabbi. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. <laughs> Let's read. He just kind of uh, changes the tone of the meeting. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Good transition statement here, Jesus. <laughs> you know, he gets right to the point. Why does he go right to the point, right to the heart of the matter? There's no small talk here. There's no sports talk. There's no how's the weather. He goes straight to the fact that you need to be born again. And I can only imagine the reason why is because our salvation, having that conversation about our faith and what it means to be born again, what it means to receive salvation, understand it, is the most important conversation you will ever have in your entire life. It's the most important conversation you can ever explain to your children. It's the most important conversation you could ever have with your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors. So Jesus goes right to the point. And he says, unless one is born again, who's one? Anyone. That means anyone. Unless one, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now, he doesn't say unless you attend church every now and then, unless you live a pretty good life every now and then. Because some people think that, you know, I can get on God's good side by doing some good things. And if I just try to give my best effort and I, if I can just live a, a decent life, not kill anybody and, and, you know, not do anything too, too bad, that God will grade on the curve and he'll allow me to go to heaven. And friends, I'm telling you, listen to God's truth this morning. That is a lie. You cannot live a good enough life to get into heaven. Jesus says that you must be born again. Nicodemus said to him, verse four, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And this is ridiculous. You can see how this educated, smart man, his mind has just, it's just been blown. I mean, can you believe he's actually asking this question? That's ridiculous. I don't know if that's sarcasm, if, if, you know, if it's a rude comment to Jesus, because obviously that's not uh, possible here. But the point is that he is completely confused. He's completely blown away by the fact that Jesus is saying here that you must be born again. Jesus says, truly, truly. And that just simply means, it, we don't really have a good translation from, from the Greek into English on that phrase. And, and, and sometimes it's translated as, verily, verily, I say unto you, all those kind of statements. And we're like, who talks like that? And, and it just really means, you gotta listen to this. This is huge. This is so true. This is, what I'm about to say is true. What I'm about to say, you gotta mark it down. What I'm saying right now is huge for you. You've got to understand that unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Turn to the person next to you and say, unless, unless, unless you are born again. 
Now, that's a, a really confusing statement. I mean, for us, we've heard it so often. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, born again. You know, we've got to be born again. And it's kind of, but for Nicodemus, it, it was completely throwing him off. I mean, completely confusing him. He doesn't understand what this new birth is about. He doesn't understand what being born again means. I mean, for us, we understand. I hope that, that you realize that it's, it, being born again is a transformation. It's when we move from death to life. You see, Nicodemus had religion, but he needed transformation. Some of you here today have religion. You know how to play church. You know what it looks like to to live a decent life in this culture and in this city, but you've never been transformed. You've never truly been radically changed by Jesus. You've never experienced the new birth in your life. You've just heard about things and you've shown up at church and and, and you've just kind of added him onto your daily, you know, routine or your weekly routine by attending church or by, by talking to Christians, but you've never been born again. You've never been changed. See, Nicodemus had all the answers. He had all the, the, all the religious questions um, answered, but not this one. He, he didn't have any response to this. He says, what, what are you talking about? How can that possibly be? And Jesus answers him in verse five. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So in verse three, Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And now he's saying, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Because there's two levels here. There's this idea that before Jesus, I am spiritually dead. I do not understand the things of of the spirit. I don't comprehend it. I can't grasp it. And so Jesus says, because of that, you can't even see the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is you and I gathering today. It It is a portion of what God's kingdom looks like. When we are on mission and when we are serving our community and serving and loving our world, it is the kingdom of God in motion. And yet the kingdom of God is not fully established that is, that is a, a part of the kingdom that it's not completely established until we're in heaven with him. But there's a part of it here today. It's this reality that it's here, but, but, but it's not quite completely here. And Jesus says, without Christ, without being born again, you can't see it. So you can't see it. And then you're not going to be able to enter it unless you're born again. Verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. When you were born physically, your mom and dad got together and yada, 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 you were born, right? And so you have flesh, you are a human, you have a physical body. He says those born of spirit is spirit. So what's he saying here? He's saying that there is a spiritual birth that needs to take place in our life for us to see the kingdom and to enter the kingdom. It is a spiritual awakening we don't just say a prayer. We don't just get baptized. We don't just add some, you know, some habits to our life to, to, to get Jesus. No, it is a complete, utter transformation. It is a spiritual awakening. We were dead and now we are alive. Jesus says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. <laughs> don't marvel. In other words, pick up your chin. Your mouth is like dropping because you don't get it. Don't, don't be so confused. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. He uses the Greek word pneuma. It means breath or wind or spirit. And so he, he compares the spirit to the wind. And, 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 and how do we know when the wind is blowing? You go outside, you know, is the wind blowing? Well, first of all, do I feel it? I know the wind is blowing when I feel the wind blowing. I don't know where it came from. I don't, I don't know what gives it its strength. I don't know, you know, where it's going, but I can feel it. And the other way that I know the wind is blowing is if I look out my window and I see the trees and the grass and whatever else blowing. When I see, you know, cars and trees flying by, I know the wind is blowing, okay? Very strong. And so he compares the the wind to the spirit. He says, we don't know where it comes from, where it's going, but here's how we know when we've experienced it. We feel it. We sense it. We know it's there. We, we, We feel it pressing over us. We know that it's there because we feel it, and we know that it's there because it it moves us. Some of you today, as we talk about salvation, you know that you need Christ. You know that you have never received him into your life, and, 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 and you know you need this transformation. You need this change so that you can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, so when I talk about this, it's like the Spirit of God is moving you right now, and it's drawing you, and you can, you can feel it drawing you. It's just like the wind and, 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 and you can feel and you can see it moving people and moving me and, 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 and moving you. And Jesus says, just like you has, have a physical birth, you need a spiritual birth. And, but here's the thing, we can't create our own spiritual birth on our own. We can't say, I want to be born. You know, I, I, I can't manufacture that. That is something that only Jesus can do. Uh, I love how Timothy Keller explains this. He, he says, does a, does a baby uh, choose to be born that day? In the womb, is a baby like, you okay, I'm ready to come out. I mean, no. I mean, the baby participates in some ways, but the only way that that baby is born is through the pain and suffering of someone else. And in the same way, the only way that you and I are spiritually reborn is through the pain and suffering of Jesus Christ. And so when we receive him into our life, it is not uh, based upon something that I have done, like I am so special or I've worked or I've done something. It is a completely and utterly uh, something that is completely upon his grace where he saves me, he calls me, he chooses me, he says, Trent, here I am. And I'm like, huh? What? Yeah, of course. And he uses that faith of, 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 of that response and, and he draws and, and he, he pulls and he shows himself and he reveals himself to us and, and we look and we are, are convinced by his spirit and his presence and, his, and, the, and it's just like the wind, the, the spirit just moves us and draws us to himself and some of you need that today. He says this, verse nine, Nicodemus said to him, how can this be? I mean, can you just imagine this conversation? He's listening to that. I mean, this dude was educated. He had every, every answer in the book, you know? Ask him anything, he had it, not this one. He's like, how can this be? Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? <laughs> that's kind of a zinger, by the way. That's, that's, that's a Jesus juke right there in the kidneys. And so he's like, you're, the, you, you're a religious leader and I'm like, you don't know this? Truly, truly, I say to you, We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. He's like, I'm talking about things that I've seen, things that I've witnessed, 
but, but you don't receive what I'm saying to you. If I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how are you going to believe me when I talk about heavenly things? So you don't believe me when I talk about earthly things. How are you going to believe me when I talk about the things of heaven? Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. In other words, I kind of am the authority on this topic, Nicodemus. I kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm from heaven. I've got the authority. I am God. I know how God is working. I know that the cross is the plan for your salvation. You should probably listen to me. For us, we look at this and, and, and we don't realize a few things. We think, why do we need the new birth? Why is that even necessary? If you're taking notes, jot this down. We need the new birth because our present condition is hopeless. Our present condition is hopeless. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you have sinned. That means I have sinned. We all have sinned in our life. And and because of that, we've fallen short of God's glory. We've fallen short of of what he has has designed us to do and designed us to live. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So that means because of our sin, the wages or the payment that you and I have to pay is death. So yes, we all face death. We all will die from this earth and from this world. And yet there is a second death that we will experience if we don't know Jesus. And that's what he's talking about here. He says the wages of sin is death. And if you do not receive Christ, if you don't experience this spiritual transformation, if you do not receive this rebirth that he offers to us, you will spend an eternity separated from him. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12 says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called uh, the uncircumcised. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise. And listen to this, having no hope and without God in the world. You see, that's our present state. Our present state apart from Jesus is we have no hope in the world. We have sin in our life. The punishment for that sin is death. We have no hope. That is our present state before Christ. And so we need the new birth. We need the new birth. The new spiritual birth. What is the new spiritual birth? Well, it's a new life. It's not just a better you. It's not just the new version of you. It's a brand new life. It's not just a ticket to get out of hell. It's not just this concept of, of, you know, don't go to hell, so say this and do this and then go live your life and do whatever you want to. It is a brand new way uh, to look at life and to live life. The old has gone and the new has come. It's why Jesus, when he tells the story of the prodigal son, remember that story? Prodigal son goes off and he lives uh, a party life, a wild living, and, and uh, he wastes all of his inheritance money. His, his dad gave him all of his money. He goes and he lives it up and he, and he blows it all. And now he's homeless and uh, he has no money and he has no way to eat. And he finds himself in, uh, in, in the trough with the pigs eating the same food that they're eating. And he, the Bible says that he came to himself or he, he realized, what am I doing here eating this, this junk? I need to go back to my father's house because he's serving and giving food that's hundred times better than this to his servants. So he gets up, he says, I'm going to go and repent. I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to go back to my father's house. And he was a little bit nervous about that. He was nervous that is my, is my dad going to accept me? Is my dad going to forgive me? Is my dad going to, you know, is he going to be able to reconcile all of this sin? 
that I've experienced. I'm seeking to reconcile the shame and the guilt. I spent it all, man. I blew all my money. I've, I've lived a horrible life. Is he really going to receive me? Is he really going to forgive me? The Bible says as, as the son was coming home, the father sees the son coming, and he ran to the son. And he gave his son a robe, and he gave him a ring. He said, my son who was dead is now alive. You see, that's, that's the point. You see, you need a new life, and that new life can only come to you through Jesus and, 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 a, and a new birth, a spiritual birth, because apart from Christ, we do not have life. The second thing that this does, the, the reason why we need a new birth is not only because we need a new life, but we also need a new nature. And that's what the new birth does. It gives us a brand new nature. That's why when we say, you know, you can forget your past, you, you can let your past go. And some of you think that I can't let that go because it's so real to me and it's so painful. And, 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 and we uh, kind of allow our identity, who we are to get entangled with that sin. And we think that it wasn't just the sin I committed, but that's who I am. And that's not who you are. Your sin is not who you are. And so that's why the new nature allows us to understand this. It is a completely new nature. That was the old me. This is the new me. I have a completely new nature. That's why he says it's the spirit that gives birth to the spirit. You can't accomplish this on your own. The spirit moves us and, and allows us to experience this new birth. And it's only through his power that we're able to let go of our past and receive this new nature and receive a brand new identity in Christ. It's a brand new creation in Christ. It's that beautiful. Isn't that amazing to understand and to realize? And then he gives us an illustration. Look at verse 14. He says, and as Moses lifted up the servant, serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So he, he, he reminds Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus, again, he knows Old Testament. He knew the stories. He had it memorized. So when he brings this story up, he was connecting with him on this level. And so for us, we're like, huh, what? And so real quick, Numbers 21 explains what, what took place. The people, uh, the Israelite people were, were taken out of captivity. Moses led them out of captivity. Uh, they were no longer slaves, and they're wandering through the desert, and they start complaining. Why are we doing this? We should go back to slavery. We don't have food. We don't have water. And Moses, why are you doing this? Why did God take us out of this? Start complaining. You know how we do. It's human nature. We complain about the silliest things all the time. And so they do. And so God says, fine, you want to complain? I'm going to give you some serpents. They're going to bite you and some of you are going to die. And that's what happened. <laughs> some poisonous snakes came out, start biting people and people start dying. And they're like, wait a minute. God, we're sorry. <laughs> sorry about that whole complaining thing. Moses, please pray for us. And Moses prays for them. And God says, okay, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. Moses, I want you to make an image of a serpent. I want you to uh, make it out of bronze. And I want you to hang this on top of a wooden pole. And anyone that gets bitten by a snake from here on out, um, if they will look to the, the image upon that pole, then that act of faith, looking at that serpent will save them and they won't die. You think, well, that's kind of weird. Why does God do this? But, but here's the point. Jesus is saying, remember when Moses made the serpent and by faith they looked at the serpent and they were saved? In the same way, the Son of Man is going to be lifted up on a wooden pole. 
that wooden cross. And it's going to require an act of faith by you looking upon him to receive this new birth. And so the connection here begins to, I think, make with Nicodemus. And so he's like, the son of man is Jesus, okay? And for for me to to receive him, then then I've got to believe in who he is. I've got to look to what Jesus did on the cross and realize that what he did on the cross allows me to have forgiveness, gives me a new life, gives me a new nature. And when I receive him by faith, not by good works, not by attendance on Sunday, not by living a good life, not by trying to, you know, create traditions in my life, by simply placing our faith in Jesus and saying, I follow you. He changes us. And just like the spirit of God, when the spirit of God is in us, we know he's in us because he's moving us. We know that we're growing because the Spirit of God is moving us and He's changing us. And and some of you are like, you know what? I thought, you know, going to church was enough. I was trying to live a good life, but I've never felt the Spirit. I've, I've never been changed by the Spirit. I've never really given my life to Jesus. And I've just been kind of banking on the fact that God loves me and I'm a okay person. But I'm telling you, you're spiritually dead and you need to come alive today. The Bible says here, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Have you placed your faith in him? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus? The next verse, one of the most famous verses of all time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. What this means is that God loves you. He knows who you are. He knows what's in you. That's why he came. That's why he died. So that you could be forgiven. So that you could have life. So that you could experience eternal life. So that you could have a brand new nature. Have you done that? Would you say honestly that you have been born again? Are you banking on tradition? You see, Jesus came to break every chain, to break the chain of sin and death in your life, to break the chain of addiction in your life, to break the the power of your past. He came to break that chain. Don't pick that chain back up. Jesus broke it. It's gone. Some of you need Jesus today. Will you receive him today? Will you say yes to him today? Allow him to break those chains. Receive him into your life today. Listen to the words of this song. There is power in the name of Jesus. in the name of Jesus to break those chains in your life to take all sin and replace with hope to replace with joy to replace with happiness it only comes through his cross it only comes through his love 
It only comes through His power and through His grace. And I wonder today, who's ready to receive that? Who's ready to receive that this morning? Who would say, Trent, I'm just going to tell you right here in front of everybody, that's me. I need Jesus. Anybody want to lift up their hands and say, that's me today? Everybody's looking. I see you in the back. Praise Jesus. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I've been banking on religion and tradition, but at the end of the day, when I put my head on the pillow, I have not received a spiritual transformation in my life. Anybody else say, Trent, that's me? Anybody else? I want to ask you to bow your heads. That young man in the back, I want to ask you to pray this. Pretend like this is between you and the, and the Lord. No one else in this room. If you're ready for that new birth, that transformation, you tell him this morning. You say, God, that I, say, God I love you. I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and transform me today. Give me this new birth, this new life, this new nature, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe if you meant that prayer this morning, that the process of your spiritual birth has begun. It, it just happened. And before you leave today, I want to ask you to go to the prayer and care room and tell, him, tell them what you did. We'll have some folks that are going to be in there. Just tell them what you did. It'll only take a minute. They want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate with you. It's the most important decision that you could ever possibly make in your life. Maybe you didn't throw up your hand, but you said the prayer. You meant that. You're ready for a change in your life. I would encourage you to go to that room, tell them what you did. God's got great plans for you. He's changing your life. He's doing more in your life than you can even possibly see today. But he's going to take you further than you ever dreamed. Let's stand. Let's sing this song today as a reality and a truth that we know to be real in our life. He's broke every chain. There's power in his name today. Maybe you could just come and pray, spend some time with him this morning. No matter what you're facing this morning, his strength and his power can break that chain, give you hope, and give you freedom. Let's worship and sing this morning.